Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. Let's get our Bibles ready or your Bible app. Hallelujah. How many of you are thankful for the Word of God tonight? How many of you are excited about the Word of God tonight? We're going to get into a new subject matter. It's going to be more of a Bible school format here on Wednesday nights, at least uh, in this month of February. Let's go ahead and approach him. Father, we're so thankful for this opportunity that you've afforded us tonight, that we together can come under your anointing, your enablement, your working in us to will and to do of your good pleasure, to reveal, to disclose, to open up to us these truths that are resident within these, this, these books, this, this word of God. And Father, we know that the Bible has to be spiritually discerned. It can't be grasped or embraced or even brought into manifestation in our life simply on a mental, intellectual plane. We must believe in that which we're hearing. We have to allow it to be a truth, to be a reality to us so that it becomes a part of our life in that. We put it into practice. We put it put action to what we believe and so we choose to do that tonight so that we can grow we don't just chew on food we have to swallow it so tonight we're going to chew on it and we're going to allow the word of God to come down deep into our heart and create growth and change that we can come up another level of glory being more like you through us receiving and walking in light of your truth. We thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, if you want to get ahead of the scriptures for tonight, go ahead and go on over to the New Testament. Go over to the first book of Thessalonians and go to the fifth chapter and we're going down to the 23rd verse and this is a truth that took a little bit of time for me to embrace early on as a Christian it's interesting how we can become a Christian and yet have no idea who we are <laughs> and, and, and don't understand that there are different uh, parts so to speak different elements of our being that, that makes up who we are. You see, the, the Bible clearly, clearly teaches that all of humanity are eternal spirits. Saved or unsaved, we're all eternal spirits. We have a mind. Sometimes the, the Bible calls that our soul. And that we live in a body. 
I can remember that day, that afternoon, that I got the revelation of what this scripture in 1 Thessalonians said. And I can, I can remember it just dropping into my heart. I was actually sitting in a doctor's office here in Berthoud, Colorado, and I was reading my faith food. And that day happened to be this scripture that began to break us down and to divide our being into us being a spirit, having a mind, and living in a body. And that one revelation, when I, once I embraced it, all of a sudden this book opened up to me. Amen. You see, too many people approach this book from, a, from an intellectual standpoint. And they wonder why it seems to be confusing. They wonder why it, it looks like it has contradictions. Well, that's because you're trying to understand it instead of believing it. You see, the, the believing is the function of our spirits. The understanding is the function of our mind and our intellect. So look at this verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And I'm reading from the living. Might be a little different than what you have in front of you. He's praying this prayer. He says, may the God of peace himself make you entirely pure and devoted to God. And may your spirit, everybody say your spirit, spirit, and your soul, say soul, and your body, say body, be kept strong and blameless until that day when our Lord Jesus Christ comes back again. Amen. So here, Paul is speaking to the church at Thessalonica. He was praying for their entire being, the, the fullness of who they are. First and foremost, he prayed for their inner man, that which is eternal, their spirit. That's the part of us that's made in the likeness of God. Remember in Genesis, it says that we were made in the image of God. And then over in John chapter 4, verse 24, Jesus told the woman at the well that God is a spirit. So if God is a spirit, and he is, and we're made in his image, and we are, <laughs> then we are eternal spirit beings. Amen? Amen? And that's why we've been able to become his children and his offspring. Hallelujah. So understand that through a spiritual birth, Remember Jesus said that you must be born again? Remember when he was talking to Nicodemus and Nicodemus was all confused because he's trying to see himself being born again through his mother's womb. He was thinking of himself as being a body, being natural and of this earth, and that's not who we are. How many of you identify yourself with the house you live in? None of us do. We, we never identify ourselves with that building, that structure, that physical house that we live in. That's, that, that's, we know that that's just a ter temporary dwelling place. Yes. Amen? Amen? So why should we identify ourselves with our body? It's just a house. It's just a tent, as it were, that we live in. And we're only going to be living in this house the, the, the length that we're living on this earth. 
And when we leave this earth, we won't need this house anymore. Any more than an astronaut needs his suit when he comes back to earth because his atmosphere is now conducive without it. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And so it would behoove you and I, it would enhance our relationship and understanding and perception of the principles of God and living in God's kingdom that I am a spirit. I have a mind and I live in a body. With my spirit, I contact and interact in the spirit realm. With my mind, will, and emotions, I interact with the intellectual realm. And with my body, I interact with the physical realm. Hallelujah. When we get that, oh my, at least for me, it was a deal changer. It made my walk with Christ become so much more active and productive. So through a spiritual birth, that's when we receive Christ into our heart, our spirit was made brand new and received the everlasting life inside of it. We became a new person. Look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Second Corinthians 5:17. Again from the Living Bible. It says when someone becomes a Christian. Now, just so we're on the same page, when it talks about becoming Christ-like, that's what the word Christian means. We become Christ-like because we invite him into our heart. And then his representative God the Holy Spirit, who is a divine person, when he came inside of our spirit, he made us brand new. He resurrected us. He caused us to become God-like. We didn't become a God, but we became like God. Look at this. So when someone becomes a Christian, that's the act of inviting Christ into our life, calling upon the name of the Lord, it says that that individual becomes a brand new. Everybody say brand new. See, we don't get remodeled. We don't get fixed up. We become a brand new individual in Christ. He is a brand new person on the inside. You understand that? Because it's a spiritual birth. Only our spirit is impacted or changed. It's not a mental birth. So so your mind is the same after receiving Christ. It's not a physical birth. So your body is the same. What has changed is, is in your spirit, man. That's the part of us that is completely made brand new by God the Holy Spirit. It says that he is not the same anymore. And a new life has begun. Now, that revelation can really help us because all of us can look over our shoulder 
in the person who we used to be. The person that made a lot of mistakes. The person that hurt a lot of people. It's a reality that that person no longer exists. Now you have the remembrance of that person. But spiritually speaking, in terms of who you've become, that person no longer exists. And so what the King James says, it says that all things have passed away. Old things have passed away. We need to embrace that. You see, the devil endeavors to use who you were against you to bring condemnation. Or to try and keep you from receiving the goodness of God by telling you how horrible you are or how horrible you were. No, it says that old things are passed away. How many know that we got to keep who we were buried? And don't resurrect it by being influenced by it. Amen. Old things have passed away. Who you were has passed away. Behold, look, see, understand, embrace. All things are now brand new. Brand new. Oh, aren't you glad? Yes. Amen. Now, every believer... Every believer begins their life in Christ in the same spiritual position and condition. Let me say that again. Every individual that receives Christ in their life and are gloriously born again, we all start our life in Christ in the same position and in the same condition. Let's look at some of those realities. Number one, every individual who is born again is born a spiritual baby. Did you hear that? Have you know that when a child is born physically. Do you ever notice that they're all born as a baby? Not one of them comes walking out of the womb and saying, hey, give me a cup of coffee. Right? And you and I have to realize that. When we were born again, we are a spiritual baby. First Peter one twenty three says, having been born again, that's talking about this spiritual birth, and then in the New King James, it says, as newborn babes. So, it's important for us to see ourselves as a spiritual baby at that time of our spiritual birth. Number two, our spiritual development is not determined by chronological age. Too many times we make the assumption because I'm this many years years old physically that I'm also that age spiritually. 
uh-uh, honey. <laughs> Do you know that there are Christians that live on this earth for decades and unfortunately leave this earth still a spiritual baby who have failed to grow? Spiritual growth does not happen automatically. Notice here in John chapter 3, verse 6. John 3, 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Now this is an explanation that Jesus is giving Nicodemus. Remember, when, when Jesus told Nick that he had to be born again, he only knew of a physical birth, so he thought Jesus was talking about a physical birth. And Jesus was explaining, no, there is a physical birth, yes, and flesh is flesh. But there's also a spiritual birth. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So he's differentiating, Jesus here in this sixth verse of John 3, he's differentiating between a physical birth which happened for us whenever that was, when we were born of our natural earthly parents. But then subsequent to that, we can be born again in our inner man or in our spirit by receiving Christ, and then we experience a spiritual birth. Now what I want you to see in that verse, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit, that those two births or those two entities are independent of one another. You have a physical birth that begins clicking the clock. And year after year we have a birthday, and then year after year we're a different age chronologically. But that's independent of what age we are spiritually. When we're born spiritually in Christ, this clock that ticks in the physical realm has nothing to do with our spiritual growth. It has everything to do with our physical growth in age, but not spiritual. So I can't grow spiritually just by going through life living. I have to do something to grow spiritually. And until I do that, I will stay a spiritual baby. Amen. Number three, we're talking about everyone being born in the same position and condition. Number three, spiritual development is not determined how God uses you in service to him. Just because I'm behind a pulpit doesn't mean that I'm spiritually mature. Look over here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I see you looking at me kind of like a cow at a new gate. And this has really been a mis misnomer. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 Verse 2, this is the love chapter of 1 Corinthians, my wife's favorite portion of Scripture. 
Now look what this says. This is fascinating. And though I have the gift of prophecy, so that saying in this contents of this is talking about a person who God is using in this gift of the Spirit, and you're prophesying. And I have the understanding of all mysteries and, and of all knowledge. And though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I'm what? Nothing. Nothing. Or could we say, I'm still a baby? You see, when God uses someone in the gifts of the Spirit, it's God working through that person. And all they're doing is yielding to God, like a, a water hose does when it's hooked up to an outside uh, bib or faucet. And so when you're, you're being used in the gifts of the Spirit, you're just a conduit. It doesn't mean that you're spiritually mature. Amen? I remember when Mary and I first got into Christendom, and we had a, a, a woman, a wonderful woman, and she was very beneficial to us and helped us in a lot of ways. And she operated in multiple gifts of the Spirit. But yet, her love walk, was virtually non-existent. And it, we didn't know how to handle that. How could this person be used of God like this and yet be, you know, sister sandpaper at the same time? And it confused us. But this scripture is, is very clear that somebody can be walking in uh, the gifts of the Spirit and not yet be matured in their spirit. And they may be a spiritual baby or, or maybe a st still a, a spirit, spiritual child and not yet come to maturity. Amen? Amen? So understand that regardless of how God's using you, that's not a gauge to, to gauge how spiritual you are. Because those gifts are exactly that. They're gifts that are working through you. Not something that you are now operating in just because you have grown spiritually. And that's why the gifts of the Spirit can begin working in a person's life the, the moment that they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember when Paul met those people uh, over there in Acts chapter 19. And he found out that they were disciples of John the Baptist. And so he got them born again. And then he asked them if they'd received the Holy Spirit. And they, they said no. And so he, he filled them, or should I say he laid his hands on them, and they yielded to the Holy Spirit, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that, and then they prophesied. Well, they, had, they were one day old in the Lord. They were spiritual babies. But here they are operating in the gifts of the Spirit. That's right. Amen. Yep. Number four. We've mentioned this already. Let's say it again. Every believer, how many believers? Every believer has the responsibility 
to grow up spiritually, to grow from that babyhood stage of spirituality to that place of spiritual maturity. Look here, if I can turn pages. Go on over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, let's look at verse 14. And this is pretty straightforward. We just said it's our responsibility to grow spiritually, to, to, to grow out of the babyhood stage of Christianity. It says that we should no longer be children. How many of you parents, for, for quite a few years, you couldn't wait for your kids to grow up? <laughs> I know my mother thought that about me. I wish Bruce would grow up. <laughs> I'm tired of cleaning up his messes. Well, that, that, that's how God's looking at it. <laughs> Thank you, sweetie. It says that we should not be any longer a children, being flaky, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But growing up so that we speak the truth, and we know the word is truth, speak the truth in love so that we may grow up. So we may do what? Grow up in all things unto him who is the head, even Christ. Hallelujah. So it's our responsibility to grow spiritually. Now understand that the Bible many times will use physical uh, examples to explain and to describe spiritual principles. And so in, in the Word of God, the Bible describes spiritual growth and likens it unto physical growth. Physically, we begin as a child. We have to feed and exercise ourselves, and then we begin to grow physically. Well, the same is true spiritually. We're born a baby, then we need to grow by feeding on spiritual food and then applying that spiritual food so that we begin growing spiritually. Now, in the physical realm, there are three levels of physical growth. And these same three levels are also in spiritual growth. So let's look at the three levels to spiritual and physical growth. Number one is the babyhood stage. That's pretty easy to see. You can tell when you have a baby. Number two, the childhood stage. And then the maturity stage is the manhood stage. So we're born a baby, we're to grow into a child, and then we're to become a man. Now each one of these levels of growth have characteristics. And once we determine the characteristics of these levels of growth, then we can determine where we're at. So if I have a lot of attributes that are still like a baby, then guess what? 
Not a tough question. I'm still a baby then, right? If I'm still acting like a child, guess what I am? I'm a child. But if I can begin to show forth the attributes and the characteristics of an adult Christian, then that begins to denote that I'm in that mature uh, adulthood or manhood stage of growth. So let's look through, let's look at the babyhood stage. And this is where we all have begun. And we're looking at just three basic characteristics of a baby. You guys ready? The cameraman agrees. <laughs> anyone, anyone else hanging with me tonight? How about you guys out there? Sharon, are you hooked up or what? Huh? What about it, Olita? You guys ready? Let's look at these three stages or characteristics of a baby. Number one, a baby is innocent. Now understand this. This is one attribute that we should continue to display as we grow spiritually. We should all have an innocence about us. We already looked at this verse of Scripture. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Other translation says a new creation. Brand new. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Understand that a baby doesn't have a past. It's not guilty of anything. Why? Because it doesn't have a past. It's brand new. It's innocent. Well, a Christian, once he's born again, doesn't have a past either. And he is forgiven because his past life has been erased. Look over here in Matthew 18, 3. And we'll see this, this innocence being a tremendous attribute that and this is why you and I should never grow out of this characteristic we should always have an innocence about us look here in Matthew 18:3 Jesus is speaking he says verily I say unto you except you be converted that's talking about laying down who you were and picking up Christ as your savior you're can be you're being converted you're born again and become as a little child, notice that you had to become as a little child in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. That's that innocence. Amen. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself or become innocent as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. So this attribute of being innocent allows us to be open and teachable and it also is an attribute that that is willing to follow we're to be following christ that's what it means to be a disciple we should maintain this attribute throughout our christian life the second characteristic of a baby is that a baby is ignorant Babies are a blank page. They don't know a thing. 
And through ignorance, a baby puts everything in its mouth. Even after the dogs played with it, now they're chewing on it. Spiritual babies will feed on anything as well, whether it's good or bad. Why? Because they don't know any better. Spiritual babies are very gullible. And anything that has an air of Christianity, they're going to put it in their mouth because they think it's the real thing. Those who are more mature need to help regulate what babies eat. Now, physically speaking, and if you were a hippie, you know this to be true. You are, we're talking physically, you are what you eat. A lot of people here in America are, are going to turn into a Big Mac. You are what you eat. Amen? Guess what? Spiritually speaking, you are what you read and what you apply. We've got to be careful what we feed upon. Amen? And that's because faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. Number three, <laughs> and this should explain a lot about Sister Sandpaper. Number three, babies are irritable. Oh, yeah, they're cranky. They are easily spoiled. If they don't get their way, what do you have on your hands? You got a fuss. There's nothing worse than an older human being chronologically that's still a baby and always has to have its way. Did you ever notice when you had children that they didn't care what hour of the night they woke you up? Did you notice when you came to the crib that he didn't say, oh, well, I'm sorry, did I get you up? I didn't mean to, no. <laughs> they want that bottle right now. And you're going to know about it until you stick it in their mouth. Come on. So are you a cranky butt? Could be that you're still a baby in some areas, amen? Let's get off of that and move on. Let's look at the childhood stage. Once we grow out of the babyhood stage, spiritually speaking, we enter into the childhood stage. Let's look at these three basic characteristics of a child. Number one, a child is unsteady, undependable. Children are unreliable. They're inconsistent. When you put them on a task that's not too long, they get bored with it, and guess what? They move on to something else. My grandson is going on five years old. He's got an attention span of a fly. Many Christians are that way. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And a week later, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And to another week later, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Not a lot of faithfulness there. Why? They're just children. That's all. Number two, children are curious. Children are always getting into something because of their curiosity. 
When a child is told not to do something, guess what? You just gave them the ticket to go do it. You've just opened up their curiosity, and now they got to know why they shouldn't do it, because they're going to get into it. A lot of us use that reverse psychology to get them to do things. Don't eat that food. <laughs> their curiosity drives them to do it just to find out why. Now here's another attribute of a child is they're talkative. Especially if they're a little girl. Children are always talking. It doesn't matter where they are. It doesn't matter what they do. And it doesn't even matter what time it is. They think time to go to bed is time to talk. Right? Look here in, in Ecclesiastes. We're, we're going to shut it down real quick here. Doesn't look like we're going to get all the way through this like I was hoping, but that's okay. We're not going anywhere. Ecclesiastes, chapter 5, verse 3. That's that book in your Bible where the pages are still stuck together. If you got a hard copy. It says, For a dream comes through much activity, and a fool's voice is known by his many words. Let me just say this. If you know someone that's always dominating the conversation, it's an indication that they're still a child. People who are always talking are guilty of at least three sins. Number one, if you're always talking, sooner or later, you're going to start talking about someone else. And that's called evil speaking. Talking about the faults and failures of others. Matthew 7, 1. Don't criticize. Then you won't be criticized. For others will treat you as you treat them. And why worry about a speck in the eye of a brother when you have a two-by-four in your own? Should you say, friend, let me help you get the speck out of your eye when you can't even see because you got a board in your own? Hypocrite. First get rid of the board in your eye so then you can see to help your brother. So if I'm always talking, sooner or later, I'm going to be talking about somebody else. Evil speaking. Number two, vain speaking. What's vain speaking? Talking about yourself, what you did, what you're doing, and what you're going to do. It's one reason I don't like Facebook. Facebook is all about me, 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 me. Look what I had. Look where I went. Look what I ate. Who is is very self-serving, isn't it? Well, don't send me any letters. You know it's true. Galatians chapter five twenty-five. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited. 
Here's a good bumper sticker. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. The third trap of always talking, always having to hear your voice, is foolish speaking. This is probably an area that your pastor needs to work on. Always jesting and joking. And as my wife has always said, Bruce, you're not as funny as you think. Look here in... <laughs> thank you for affirming that, honey. It's awesome. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 4. This is interesting from the Living Bible. Dirty stories, foul talk, coarse jokes, these are not for you or for the believer. Instead, remind each other of God's goodness and be thankful. So understand that the Bible's not saying that joking around and having a sense of humor is a sin. It's just saying that it's simply not beneficial as speaking the truth in love and encouraging others, reminding people of, of God's goodness and being thankful. Amen. We're, we're, to, we're to stay balanced there. Amen. Well, we're not going to get into the manhood uh, stage of growth, which is pretty awesome, and I think that you're going to enjoy that. There's, there's three areas that we need to really flourish in, and we'll get there uh, next week. So this title of this study, if you haven't got a hold of it by now, is Growing Up Spiritually. And this is an area that we need to live in the whole time we're on this earth. Too many people think that once you become a Christian, then you just fold your hands and wait to go to heaven. No, we're, we're to grow up. Why do we need to grow up? Well, so we can fulfill our responsibilities in the body of Christ. There's things that we're to be doing for him. Amen. That's why we need to be mature, so that we can do it his way and be a blessing to others. Amen. Amen. Father, I want to thank you that the word of God is clear, that we're not to remain as a child. Yes, we're all born a baby, but we can grow. We're so thankful that you show us how to grow spiritually in the epistles, in the New Testament. And so, Father, I'm asking that you'd give each one of us not... To, how do I say this, Lord? Help each one of us not to be satisfied where we are spiritually. Help us to desire to ascribe to a higher level of maturity in our spirit. That we would continue to grow in the way that you have for us. That we can get stronger and stronger and more like you on this earth. That way we could be a better, we'd be better fit and better equipped to help those around us and we would then encourage them to grow as well thank you lord for showing us who we are 
We are truly eternal spirits. And thank you for showing us that we can grow out of that babyhood stage into the childhood stage and then even go further and become more mature in that adult stage. We thank you for it and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for coming out tonight. We thank you for watching out there in Streamland. It's always good to have you with us. You guys are a blessing. We'll see you next time.